This podcast is brought to you by PodPro Australia. Hello and welcome to the Property Investors Handbook podcast series. My name's Adam Bell and I'm your host and we have Colleen Sutherland here with us once again from Sutherland's Property Management Group and here to talk today about budgeting for maintenance and maintenance in general. Welcome Colleen. Thank you Adam. Excellent. Look, what are the typical maintenance things that landlords do need to, um, you know, do need to cough up for and pay for for their tenants when, um, you know, when things go wrong? So there is a legal obligation under the Tenancy Act that the landlord must maintain the property in a safe and fit for purpose. So some of the things might be that and, and it could just be general like um, burst taps or electrical issues, um, fixing things that break yep. and that sort of thing. That's just standard maintenance. Um, and then it goes into um, other things that need to be budgeted for. Sure. Look, budgeting is obviously important because these maintenance things, that they're not regular. No. That you, you don't know when they're coming. There could be a little or there could be a lot. So can you explain the importance of budgeting and how you um, educate and, um, you know, prepare your um, your landlords for having a budget for maintenance? Okay, so when you have an investment property, to me, I would educate my landlords that this is a little mini business now. So you need to run this business. You need to be able to afford to run the business. That's a great way to put it. So when you're running the business, one of the things for that business is budgeting for maintenance. So I often will uh, advise that you would need to budget. It used to be $1,000, but with inflation, I would say $1,500 per annum just for general maintenance. Um, But when you're looking at long-term aspect of the maintenance, it could mean air conditioners go... Uh, hot water units, ovens, dishwashers, yeah, anything. Yep. Those electrical appliances, they can be a little bit costly. Um, you could have a water leak in the roof that might not come under your insurance or you might have to pay it out before you can make a claim, things like that. They're the big ticket items that you need to have some money set aside. Or like in the body corporate situation, they have a sinking fund, yep. which means they prepare for that, they budget for those things. That's what also needs to be done on a private level. Sure. So you're thinking they need their own personal um, sinking yeah. fund to be ready. <laughs> Separate account. Absolutely. What sort of things, um, when there is maintenance to be done, how do landlords know what they're, that they absolutely have to get sorted and fixed mm-hmm. and, and things that maybe they, they don't? So as I said, the it is a little mini business. So when you're looking at a loose door handle or a broken door stop or something like that. It's like, meh, you know, that can wait. But when you've got this business, you need to mitigate any loss. So while broken door stops are just, you know, they're this much from Bunnings, um, what the, the preventative maintenance that that does. So if you've got no door stop and the wind catches the door and puts the handle through the wall, mm. now you have to repair the wall. Mm. So we would encourage preventative maintenance. So when we go and do an inspection, we'll note that uh, your flexi hose under the sink is looking a little bit um, rusty and we're going to recommend to you to replace it. <coughs> you can replace it now or you can wait until it bursts. 
So it's either preventative maintenance and do that now. And it's not causing a problem Mm. right now, but it has the potential to cause a problem. And it's those potentials that we try and minimise. So replacing the flexi hose might cost $150. Repairing the damage will be, you know, you might have to replace the entire vanity or something like Mm. that. Could be up for thousands. Yes. Is there any onus on the the tenant to have to report um, uh, things that the… Preventative maintenance? Not preventative maintenance, no. So that's what our routine inspections are for. We don't go through and just look that you've done the dishes and you've made the bed. We do have to look under the sinks and we are looking outside to make sure there's no branches overhanging and and that sort of thing. So if there's a branch overhanging the roof, we will recommend to the landlord to get that cut back so that during storm season, it's not going to be a danger to the property or the persons living there. So, um, yeah, it, it, that's what the routine inspections are for and that's how we can um, manage that. Sure. What should landlords consider when upgrading elements of their property, such as floor coverings, window coverings and electrical appliances? A lot of that is done between, in between tenancies. So when the tenant moves out, we'll go and do the final inspection, which we've done a podcast on, but we'll do the final inspection. One will be for the tenant and the other will be, Mr. Landlord, the carpet is original condition. It's 10, 15 years old. We recommend that you change it. Um, And while you're at it, if you want to keep up with the neighbouring properties as in equity in your property, we would recommend that you upgrade the lighting to um, energy efficiency, upgrade the plumbing where it will remain relevant so that if you go to sell it or you need a valuation on this property to buy your next property, it's up to yeah, scratch. it's up to scratch and you don't have to do so much. Sure, sure. So budgeting it itself, do you, do you give much advice to landlords on you know, on, on how much to have in, in, in a kitty. Um, you know, you mentioned $1,500 per annum for, for standard. What do you recommend for unexpected, knowing that something unexpected could be, you know, thousands? Yeah, so for an unexpected, I would have probably $3,000 put aside, three to five. And that just allows you to cover it if it goes. So, It's not an option for you that if the air conditioning unit has broken down, it's not an option for you to go, oh, I've got no money. What what happens if they do? That they've got no money? Yeah. What if if we get a scenario where a landlord just can't can't do it? Then they may need to consider a rent reduction. Right. Because the the tenant has rented the property – with an air conditioner Mm. and it's in the height of summer, Mm. it's broken down, it It can't be repaired, it's too old Um, and uh, the landlord says, I've got no money. Yeah. If you've genuinely got no money, you then need to compensate the tenant because they're now no longer renting an air-conditioned house. Does the tenant have any recourse to say, you know, I guess this doesn't really happen too often or... Oh, it can do. The tenant has... Recourse, yes, but a proactive property manager will say to the owner, well, if you can't afford to do that, then you need to compensate the tenant because they're renting that uh, mm. an air-conditioned property. 
Sure. Um, and be in front of a tenant asking for a rent reduction. Yet another reason to have a, a, a fantastic yes. property manager <laughs> in, in your corner. As we go through this series, Colleen, I just keep seeing time and time again these examples of why you need um, you know someone like you in, in your corner from, from both sides. It's just so many th- areas to navigate um, and um, fantastic to just to have someone with your level of experience and, and knowledge to... Um, to, to get through any any situation. What what is maybe tell me what is the biggest unexpected maintenance issue you've ever sort of come across in your in your 30 years? Um whether it's just standard and the um hot water unit will just blow. It just bursts wow. especially when they're so you, you know aged. Yeah. Yep, flood the whole property. Well, if it's outside you're okay, if it's inside not so much. Yeah. And that's a whole nother area because that's insurance claims and things like that. But Hot water units are expensive. You know, they can be $2,000 depending on the size of the unit. Um, a tenant can't be without hot water. No. So it's not an option for you to go, I haven't got enough money. Mm. Um, so it has to be done. You need to find the money. Otherwise, the tenant has recourse to move out mm. because they've got no hot water. And what if it's in the middle of winter? Yeah. So there's there's those scenarios that um, there has to be a workaround for the landlord to be able to afford to replace that. And that's where the budgeting comes in because it can just go. Yep. They do just go and you need to um, work around that. It's sort of like, um, and I've had I've seen it a lot lately, not my business but uh, in these property management platforms, where glass just shatters. Really? And a landlord will go, glass doesn't just shatter. It does. It's happened to me in my home. Really? So I heard this massive bang in my bathroom and the shower screen just shattered and I had glass everywhere. This is a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah. And nobody was even in the bathroom. So a glass um, replacement is claimable under insurance, but in in the short term I have to clean that glass up and replace that glass and you, Mr Landlord, have to pay for it and claim it on your insurance. So you need to – and some glass – some shower screens are quite expensive. Yep. Um, And, yeah, so – that's where the budgeting comes in is that you've got the money in a kitty on the side that, yes, I can do that. And when the insurance claim comes in, I put it straight back into that account. Sure. So how should um, landlords manage a, a situation where tenant damage exceeds their, their bond amount? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, okay, so there is the option of, and it doesn't happen often, that someone will fix it all up and uh, accept uh, periodic payments, progressive payments. Right. Doesn't happen often, but somewhere along the line, if you can't afford to fix that up, I am i can't rent the property. So every week that the property is left vacant, you're losing 2% of your annual income. So a lot of the landlords can find the money. They can find the money if they really have to. Uh, in between tenancies, I might ask a landlord to paint. If you want X dollars for rent, this is what you need to do to achieve that. Um, and so those are the things that I will ask the landlord to do. Um, or when this, if this tenant moves out, you're going to have to paint. I'll get you a quote yep. and you need to now start saving. Which is fantastic advice because you're, you're, you're maintaining their asset. Yes. You're, you're yeah, maintaining yeah. the value of, of their asset, which they're probably not even thinking about. No, they're not because, well, I haven't painted my house for 10 years. I'm not going to paint a rental property. 
Yeah. But as I keep coming back is the rental property is a little mini business for you. Mm. And so for you to achieve the best possible return on your property, you need to spend money to make money. Mm. The other area is um, when you've bought the rental property or if you're moving out of your home to now rent it, I will suggest to you to get a depreciation schedule. And that depreciation schedule will... Um, it goes to your accountant and they claim everything until the depreciation has run out. So if I have to replace your air conditioning unit, that will go to your accountant and the depreciation on that unit will start again. So sometimes if you need to spend some money for a tax tax break, um, that'll be where you'll spend it. Sure. Is there, have you ever come across a scenario whereby uh, a tenant's done a fair bit of damage um, that's not wear and tear, um, their, their lease is coming to an end um, and there's way more damage there um, than is that could be covered by the bond and that they're just out of there. Take, okay. take my bond. What happens in that scenario? That's a good question. So what happens in that scenario is no matter what, all of that needs to be um, fixed up. So we do organise all that to get done. However, if you've got a good quality landlord's protection insurance, then it should cover you against malicious and accidental damage. So you can make an insurance claim. You may need to pay the bills up front and then claim it on insurance to get the money back. Um, But in the meantime, we can make an application to tribunal that will allow a hearing to say, and we'll get a judgment to say, the tenant now owes three and a half thousand dollars. Right, that was my question. Yeah. Is there any recourse? So there you, is recourse. You can whether take the, it to tribunal. Yeah. So whether the tenant pays that or not is another story, and then if he pay, doesn't pay it, that's where the tenant default comes into it, and um, he could be listed on a tenancy database. database. Yeah. And I guess there, you know, if they don't, there is the, then going down the legal route. Um, as well. Debt collection. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We don't do debt collection, no. but we will pass that on for it to be collected. But if you've got the insurance, then um, take that insurance because done properly and you've got the right insurance, you you minimise the loss. Um, and again, that loss you can claim on tax and all sorts of things. I think there's another podcast for us to do yeah. it at some point. Landlord's insurance. Landlord insurance. What, what it covers, what it doesn't. And um, But look, very... Very important. Is actually, let me just ask a question on that. Things we've brought up. Do you, uh, as a property manager, or can you enforce your landlords to have to have it? We all our landlords do have it. I was going to say no one wouldn't, but what, what if you did come across someone? Said, no, I'm not going to bother with that. Well, we probably would have to reject that business, and that's mainly Makes so sense. that we can help the landlord, but then all of our costs are covered as well. So to when the landlord can't pay or the tenant doesn't pay, someone's still got to get paid mm. and someone's still got to pay for the repairs. So we would probably reject the business that doesn't have a landlord insurance policy. Makes, makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. Well, look, final question. What, um, you know, being that this whole podcast is about budgeting for maintenance, what, what's your overarching um, advice to, to landlords on budgeting for maintenance? So my my biggest um, advice would be to have a, a maintenance schedule. So you've got general maintenance, which is a couple of grand a year. 
and then you've got the big ticket items that you would set out a budget for and know that when that time comes, you've got that money set aside. You will improve the value of your property. You can claim those things on insurance and, uh, sorry, you can claim those things on tax and depreciation. So there's got those values there, but you're always reinvesting in your property, but you need to have that maintenance set aside. And we can help you with creating that budget or we can tell you what needs to be done and you can create the budget yourself. Sure, and you can help with the maintenance schedule? Yes, yeah, yeah, that's Fabulous. right. Fabulous. Yeah. Again, another great reason to have Sutherland's in your corner. Well, look, that's us done for yet another episode. We will drop um, one every week here on a, on a Thursday evening between four and six. Thanks once again for coming in, Colleen. Where can tenants and or landlords get in touch with you? You can Google me on Sutherland's Property Management Group or you can go to the website at spmg.com.au. Which, of course, is where you can go and listen to all of these podcasts as well. Because if this is your first one, please go check it out. Um, this is uh, episode number nine, uh, and we cover all the important topics, and there's a lot more to come. So I look forward to chatting with you again next week. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Adam.